Last week here on Media Watch, we heard about the legislation for the new public media entity to be created by March next year, the Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media Bill, and concerns that it had been drafted in haste and wasn't quite fit for purpose. Experts, academics and lawyers met in Auckland again this week to draft the joint submission for COITU, the Centre for Informed Futures at the University of Auckland, to give to Parliament's Economic Development, Science and Innovation Committee to consider. And the deadline for those submissions is nigh next Thursday, the 8th of September. Now, one of the concerns we heard about last week was the possibility of political influence over the new body if it's set up as an autonomous crown entity, as is proposed. And this week, TVNZ's chief executive, Simon Power, told Stuff the bill was poorly constructed and TVNZ would be advising the committee that Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media needs to be totally free from political influence and seem to be so. But another aspect of the law that the expert group was also worried about was the effect that a beefed-up new public media body might have on the rest of the media. Now, when the Minister of Broadcasting and Media, Willie Jackson, introduced the bill to the House recently, he said this. The entity will be held to account on the delivery, Mr Speaker, of its charter. We want to see collaboration. The entity will not work against or in isolation to the rest of the media sector. It has a broader obligation to collaborate. And Willie Jackson went further in a press release in July, which said that the new body would... Collaborate where appropriate with other New Zealand media. For example, sharing infrastructure with other public media in order to reach audiences and develop talent across the sector. And the general policy statement that's attached to the new bill says Aotearoa New Zealand public media will be required to work collaboratively across the media sector wherever appropriate and financially responsible to support a diverse, capable and resilient media ecosystem. But the Cabinet paper that preceded the bill noted that collaboration with other media providers emerged as a point of tension during the consultations with them. And it will be important that the legislation makes it clear how the entity should manage these tensions where they occur. However, the bill as it stands now merely requires Aotearoa New Zealand public media to collaborate with Māori media entities and other media entities where this is financially responsible and consistent with the Charter. And that's it. Well, among those at the Koi Toon workshop last week, unsure about what this really means, was Sinead Boucher, the chief executive and owner of the nation's biggest publisher of news and the employer of more journalists than any other, Stuff. What we're worried about is that the ultimate ambition is to create a new entity rather than just merge two existing services. And that's going to be a not-for-profit entity that can be commercial and also not commercial, can go into any kind of product, market, medium that it chooses, and will be substantially funded by the government as well. Um, so, you know, that, that has the potential to be incredibly market distorting in terms of its presence for the rest of the media ecosystem. Couldn't it, the fact that it's not for profit and won't have that driver of making as much money as possible as perhaps a commercial TVNZ does at the moment, couldn't that actually give you a bit more room for manoeuvre? I mean, back in the old days, you know, the old management of TV3 used to urge the government to turn TVNZ into a, a not-for-profit TV uh, broadcaster. Well, I think there's a, there's a difference between not-for-profit and not-commercial, and this entity would be not-for-profit, as in it doesn't have to return any profits to its owner, its shareholder, but it can be commercial, which means it would be out in the market competing with the rest of the media ecosystem for advertising, um, yet it is you know, coming in with rates that could be significantly different from the rest of the market because 
it is both well funded from the government and also not for profit so it can you know charge what it needs to and put that money back into the organization um, which is not the re- the way you know the the way that the rest of the media ecosystem would work so it's probably the worst possible outcome for us to have something that can be commercial and not commercial in some um, some areas probably more funding going into it than the rest of the media sector put together and um, doesn't have to return a profit it would be a, a giant entity that would be, um, you know, in a position to compete very hard for the best talent and journalists. And of course, while we want to be able to pay everybody the, the, the money they deserve to be against a competitor, which is sort of starting, you know, two or three steps ahead in terms of um, its funding model, um, makes it very hard for the rest of the industry also. In many countries, we kind of compare ourselves to, let's just take a couple like Australia or Canada or something like that. They have joined up public broadcasters that do online radio and telly, not the government is trying to create something that's a bit closer to that. Look, I have nothing in principle against um, the, the formation of a public media entity, and I'm a strong believer in strong public media, but I also think that you know, that's where the way that this entity would be formed and the rules in which it operates and distortions in its own funding model um, are really important to get right at the beginning. Um, so it's not that for us, it's not the creation of a public media entity per se. I think it's the fact that the bill in its current form has full of gaps and doesn't address some really significant things that probably should be enshrined in legislation rather than better down the road for, you know, a board and staff to work out. Are you likely to make a, a submission to the bill as those submissions close uh, later this coming week? Uh, and if so, will you be actually trying to suggest limits or kind of ring fencing of its activities and the sorts of services it could, could uh, launch, Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media? Oh, look, absolutely, we'll be making a submission. Um, I would imagine, and for us, that will be uh, focused on the sort of risks to uh, both the um, rest of the media sector, but possibly to the success of the media entity itself that uh, could sort of come to life if the legislation is not set up correctly in the first place. So are you actually concerned, though, about that this new entity could, with a fairly open-ended mandate, without a legislation that restricts it from doing certain things, that it might start parking its tanks on your lawn. Like, for example, it, this might end up setting up entire newsrooms in territories where, you know, you currently operate, say, for example, Timaru or, um, you know, in Marlborough, where, where you've got newspaper titles and, and uh, a news operation and other people don't currently. Yes, absolutely. That's, I think that's the sort of thing that is entirely possible. Look, I don't know what future management would want to do in that entity, but the way that the bill is drafted at the moment doesn't put any um, real guardrails around the interaction with the rest of the media ecosystem and or kind of set out what is most important for the entity to achieve itself. So public interest journalism and high-quality New New Zealand content is produced by a lot of organisations at the moment, um, including ourselves. We we create 100,000 pieces of New Zealand journalism every year, and that's based on having newsrooms in lots of towns and cities around the country um, and being really focused on that sort of day-to-day local New Zealand news. So having an entity that is going to be a real giant come into the market and could theoretically move into any market, any medium, any model 
would be a real threat to the rest of the industry. Nobody wants just a public media entity and no one wants just a commercial media sector. It's important that there's a really healthy ecosystem there and that um, we can all play our part. The legislation as it's drafted now does say the new entity will have to collaborate with other media, including yours. It doesn't say much beyond that. Do you understand what what that means or what obligations that might give the new entity? And indeed, if so, what collaboration would actually be good for you? (laughs) Well, I think that is a perfect example of a flaw in the way that the um, bill is drafted because collaborate is a very undefined word. It could mean all sorts of things. We couldn't collaborate in an advertising space, for example, because the Commerce Commission would have something to do with it. It would be really anti-competitive. We don't want to collaborate on the producing of content because otherwise you lose that plurality and um, diversity of voices and, and types of journalism, the content in the mix. So it feels like that wording is designed to be a little bit of a acknowledgement that this could be potentially very damaging to the media sector, but... Um, that nobody has the exact ideas how to prevent that happening. (laughs) And that's exactly one of the things that we would like to see really clearly defined so that there was more of a do-no-harm kind of obligation here. But I wonder, though, in terms of self-interest for you at Stuff, you get more public funds now than than you ever have in the past. And in the past, you know, the publishing was kind of independent of state funds that usually went to uh, broadcasting specifically. But these days, your multimedia stuff, uh, things like Stuff Circuit projects can be funded uh, from the public purse. And with the Public Interest Journalism Fund, which runs out next year, you've been able to employ entire new staff and pay for some of your local reporting around the country. So, uh, I mean, do, do, are you afraid that under the new system that over time that might just dry up because the resources will go to the new thing? No, no, because that type of funding you're talking about coming from New Zealand on year or PIJF represents less than 1% of the money we ourselves invest in journalism and the creation and production of journalism. It's wrong to say that we are funded by the government or supported by the government in that way. That fund, those funds really help us, you know, augment or enhance things we're already doing or want to do. You wouldn't wouldn't have your your like high profile stuff circuit team, for example, that made that Fire and Fury documentary. You wouldn't have them on the books, would you, unless you thought you could pay for their projects from from the public purse? No, no. That's not true at all. Um, I hired that team and I hired them um, onto the staff payroll, not onto the payroll in expectation that they would then be funded by New Zealand On Air. That's absolutely not true. As it turns out, they wanted to create some um, excellent but also expensive type of documentary, investigative um, journalism that takes a lot of time and wherewithal. And we applied for funding to augment our own investment in that area to allow us to be able to do it. But it's certainly not the case that um, if we weren't receiving government funding, we wouldn't have those teams at all. That's untrue. That was Sinead Boucher, the owner and chief executive of Stuff. Now, as we mentioned earlier, submissions on the legislation for our new public media entity, the Aotearoa New Zealand Public Media Bill, close next Thursday. And it will be fascinating to see who's backing the idea and who isn't and why or why not.